Okay, last weekend was a big weekend in Singapore. If you do not know what's happening, you're missing out a lot. Can you remember what happened last weekend? It's a celebration of hope. Over 100, over 1,000 people from all over the work of Singapore to went to the National Stadium to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was great. And we'll be receiving good testimony. I want to share with you two testimony to encourage your hearts and to hear the power of God's gospel. Uh, one, one testimony came, there was a group of people from the Geylang Brothel, 20 of them, they walked from Geylang all the way to the National Stadium to hear the gospel. And one of them was the owner of a particular brothel there, and uh, husband and wife. The wife is a devout Buddhist, pray to the various gods. And then, uh, but the husband, I, I'm not sure what the religion is, but the husband is excited as you are touched by the Lord, excited to hear the gospel. He was concerned if he accepted Christ, what will the wife think? But to his surprise, the wife was okay. Both of them went down and received the Lord Jesus Christ into their lives. Okay? And then somebody said, this is too good to be true. They call up, they verify the fact. Yes, there was a church that ministered to this particular uh, red light district area. And they verified, this is true. This really happened. Let's pray. Pray for this owner that transformation can happen there in that place. So this is one testimony. Another testimony. You know, there are, some of you are watching, the, there's a Facebook live stream of, uh, live stream of the various testimony. And there was a testimony of Noah Yap. You know Noah Yap, a boys to man, one of the actors there. He was sharing his testimony, how he was in detention barracks and all this thing. And there was a girl who watched, uh, it was touched by his testimony. And then online, live, she also wrote in through the Facebook because there were counsellors there assigned and asking questions. And through the conversations, she also accepted Christ into, their, into her life. And last Tuesday, they met for the first time for follow-up. So this is the power of the gospel. The gospel is truly brings hope, can change life. And this is the, the gospel that we have been studying in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. And every chapter, it talks different aspects of the gospel. And the best part is that our life, our belief need to conform to this gospel and it will transform our life. And this is what it's all about here. And we are studying into this book of uh, 1 Corinthians. We are now almost halfway today. We are going to talk about this topic, can eat or not. Very Singaporean. Uh, um, kind of phrasing. Uh, we are halfway through. <clears throat> first, the first half, there was a report came from Corinthians about various issues that crop up. Paul had to address the issues of divisions, issue of immorality, issues of lawsuits. So we have talked about that. Then the second part is there was a letter sent by the Corinthian church to, to Paul asking various questions. So Paul has to address some of the questions. One question they asked, well, last week we are talking about singlehood and marriage. Another question we're going to talk about it today is that food offered to idol, can I still eat them? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Can eat or not? Can eat or not? The Corinthian Christians, uh, the Corinthian believers, before they became Christians, they came from pagan back backgrounds. They worshipped many different gods. And then, part of the worship is the offer various kind of food into the idols, to the various images here. It's very common and it's very uh, uh, so-called very common and they grow up having that kind of Christian, the kind of background, doing that. And later on, when they become a Christians, the natural question for them to ask is that, now that I'm a Christian, can I still eat this food that has been offered to idols? A valid question. Um, and 
What are the, the food, various kind of food being offered to the idols? What are the portions and how do they distribute all this food? Let me just share with you. First of all, uh, the first one, they are burnt at the altar. The burning of the altar of the food, it's part of that worship. So this is one portion is done there. And then another portions they will eat together at the temple compound as part of the worship. They will eat and the eating is also part of the worship. And the leftover, which a lot of the meat, there they were sold in the marketplace. They sold in the marketplace. And if you go to the market then at Corinth, very hard to find meat that are not offered to idols. Almost every meat there sold in the market they are left over from the temple and they are sold in the marketplace. And it is kind of temple worship where food is offered. They believe that they are spiritually, they are, uh, they are so-called, their gods were present there in those kind of occasions. And what are the occasions where off, uh, idol foods were served? The occasion, first of all, at personal homes. Because they buy the meat from the marketplace, the meat has been offered in the past, and then they eat at their personal home. And then second one, other people's home. They are invited by friends or in the relatives' homes, and the food they buy from the market. And then next one will be at functions, social functions, celebrations, uh, uh, weddings. Again, this food was served. And then, of course, the temple worship. The, the, the temple worship, the, the, mood, the meal was served as part of the worships. So the natural questions for the Corinthian Christians after, after they become a Christian coming from this background, they'll be asking these questions. The first question is, do these rituals somehow taint the food? Taint the food. So when I eat them, I'm tainted. The second question they will ask is that, can Christians buy this food at the market and then I eat it at home? Can I do that? The next question is, uh, could they eat it in the various social functions, in the weddings, parties, clubs, where such food was served? Or can they eat it when their friends are in their friend's home, when they are invited to their friends. And the last question is, what about, if I, can I eat it if it's overtly religious rites in those temples? Those temples. Today, as I look at the crowd, not many of you may come from uh, past religious practices where you are asked to eat food to offer, offer to idols or you offer the food as idols before. I come from that kind of background, offered to my ancestor, to the various gods, and I eat those kind of meat. And some of you uh, may not have that, but you may have relatives or grandparents who come from this kind of uh, background. Or you may have friends who come from this kind of background where you're eating food offered to idols. So the question in your mind is, what happened if I'm asked to eat, can I still eat them? But some of you say, no, no, this is not relevant to me. However, the principle applied, the learned here, can be applied in not just eating food offered to idols, but the other questionable practices in Christian life. What are some biblical principles that I can draw when I live together as a family of God here that I can, uh, as a guiding principle for me to make those decisions? So this, we're going to address that. And Paul actually addressed these questions in three chapters. Chapter 8, he talks about we need to use our freedom and knowledge and love. Chapter 9, Paul talks about his example of limiting his uh, rights. And then chapter 10, talks about Paul uh, warning people against idolatry. Okay. Unfortunately, these are not 
three chapters in three different weeks, okay? Because we're going to, after this, we're going to take a slight short two breaks where we're going to cover different series and then we'll come back to 1 Corinthians. So these three chapters will be covered in three different months, okay? But you come regularly so that you understand the whole picture. Okay, now, right now, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 8. If you have the Bible, you can turn to it. If not, they can just look up here and then uh, we'll read together. I want to read together so that you understand the full flow. I'll, I'll read to you, okay? No need to read together. I'll read to you. Now, about food offered to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. A bit chima. But whoever loves God, this person is known by God. Verse 4. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if they are so-called gods, whether in heaven and on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. There is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we lived. Verse 7. But now, but not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not make us bring us near to God. We are not worse if we do not eat, no better if we do. Verse 9. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights do not become a stumbling block to the weak. And if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way, and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if I eat, what I eat causes my brothers or sister to fall into the sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. Quite a handful. Don't worry. I like charts. Let me put it into a simple chart to help you to understand what's the, what is this all about here. The questions the Corinthian was asking, can I eat food offered to idols? Some of them say, no, I cannot eat food offered to idols. The reasoning is that when I eat them, I feel like I'm still worshipping that God. I feel like I'm still worshipping that idol, so I cannot eat them. And then these people, Paul called them as a person with weak conscience. Weak conscience. I'll explain more about this weak conscience later. So some of them say, no, I cannot eat them. But some of majority of them seems to be saying, yes, you can eat them. The reason is why they say, because I am free, I have knowledge. In other words, since I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it gives me the freedom, freedom from all these various restrictions. And I have knowledge. I know a lot. I'm wise. I can do that. Okay? 
And some of you may say that, oh, okay, I know a lot about the Bible. I can do a lot of things. Paul had this to say. Just now I say that the, the particular sentence that is very chim. Thankfully, New Living Translation, make it less chim. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. You claim that you have full knowledge. Actually, you, you do not know a lot. There are still a lot of things you do not know. So what Paul is trying to do here, Paul, first of all, Paul will agrees with them what this knowledge are, but Paul will also correct them about their incomplete knowledge and their misuse of that knowledge. Because Paul to Paul, knowledge itself is not a sufficient guide on this matter. Knowledge we need to apply based on another principle, which I will tell you later. What is the knowledge that they have? The first knowledge they claim is that there is only one true God, which is true. There is only one true God. Paul understands that these people come from various pagan backgrounds. They worship different kinds of gods. The Jupiter, Juno, Mercury. These are the various gods they used to worship. And some of these are supposed to live in heaven. Some of them are supposed to live on earth, like Cyrus, like Neptune. You, you watched recently Aquaman is from which God? Huh? Um, I forgot the Aquaman's father. What is his name? Okay, never mind. I forgot the name of the God. Okay, these are the various gods. That to them, there are many different gods, many different lords. Paul agrees with them. Yes, but Paul also agrees with them. Ultimately, the true God that matters, the creator God that matters, it is our God. So Paul agrees with them. It is true. God, the Father, one God, and one Lord, Jesus Christ. I'll elaborate more about this. So Paul agrees with them. This is knowledge is true. The second knowledge that they have, they claim they have, is that idol is nothing. Now that we are Christians, they are saying, these idols are nothing. Food is just physical food. Just eat the physical food. It does not affect you. If, if I know that there is one true God, so I eat this thing, this thing will not affect me. Well, Paul agrees with them. Yes, idols are indeed nothing. It's just a physical thing. Paul is not denying the existence of idols. He knew that such things are carved with stones. Paul here is agreeing with them. He said that compare this idol to creator God, these idols are indeed nothing. But later, in chapter 10, Paul went on to elaborate. Yes, it is physical, but in the context of worship, there is spiritual entities behind that is uh, involved in these particular idols, which Paul will address it later at first, uh, chapter 10. But chapter 8, Paul didn't address it. Paul just stopped here. Paul said, I agree with you, there is one God. I agree with your reasoning that idol is nothing. Therefore, you're free to eat, yes. But Paul also says something else. Paul says, but, but, Knowledge is not everything. Moreover, you do not know everything. There is one more important thing to take note of. Paul says, love is more important. This love here. Love must seek to restrict or sometimes requires you to limit your freedom. Their emphasis is totally wrong. Because why? Paul also said late, earlier, knowledge can tends to make you proud, puffs up, but love will make you uh, when you edify the person. Paul is not saying that knowledge is irrelevant, knowledge is unimportant. 
But Paul is saying that knowledge cannot be the primary basis for making such decisions on Christian behavior. There is one more principle, one more truth that all of us need to take note of. It is love. Love for who? First of all, Paul says, love for God. He said that anyone who makes such decisions about eating or not eating food offered to idol out of love for God, this person is known by God. Correct? He said known by God. What do you mean by know by God? God is omniscient. God knows everybody. What do you mean by know by God? If you choose to make decisions in life out of love for God, God takes special notice. The word know here also have a connotations of approval. It is like that person wins the smile of approval of God. If you make decisions based on for God's sake, rather than for your own personal sake, Paul say, make decisions based on that, and you'll be known by God. You'll be again His favor. And secondly, Paul also say, love for other people. Why? Just now Caleb mentioned why. Can you remember Caleb, Caleb sharing? This is what? We are family. We are family. We are family. We have a father in heaven. We are family. Okay, not many of you are parents, but if you are parents here, or if you have a heart like a parent, when you see children, brothers and sisters, caring for one another, differing to each other out of love, how do you feel? You feel good. You feel good. You feel the smile. Same thing also. That's what Paul is trying to say. We need to defer to one another. Why? We need to defer to one another because of people with weak conscience. What is this weak conscience? When you use conscience today, okay, this word, this conscience here, in this context, is not so easily to, to capture. Popular usage of conscience have to do with moral right and wrong. But this is not what Paul is saying here. It's not about matter of morally right or wrong. This conscience Paul is trying to say is that there is a dissonance. There's a dissonance between their head and their heart. This thing cannot match. Head say one thing, heart say another thing. This thing, there's a this, uh, dissonance here. So to some of the Corinthians, even when they are eating meat in their private home, meat that was bought outside by eating in their private home, what their head is telling them is this. Their head is telling them there is only one God. I'm only worshipping this God. And this, this food here is not tainted by the worship of the various idols. In their head, they understand. But in their heart, they feel that when they eat it, they are like worshipping the idols. So, there is this uh, dissonance here. This thing, and therefore, this dissonance causes them to have feelings of guilt. And that feelings of guilt leads to their conscience being wounded. And Paul says, not just you wound your wound, the person's conscience, you also wound Christ. Wound Christ. So Paul says, yes, you have the freedom to eat, but take note of the other principle, principle of love. Can you, for the sake of love, don't eat? Take, for example, uh, another example of a person that is weak conscience. If you are a Jew today, you know that you cannot eat pork. Okay? You cannot eat pork. 
Then this Jew become a Christian. You go to a cha siu fan rice, cha sao friends, right? Cha sao rice store, and your friend invite you to eat. You say cannot. Are you free to eat? Yes, but in your heart you feel cannot. And all the while you view it as unclean, but now you can. That is called a weak brother or a weak sister. This person is not living in the full enjoyment of his Christian liberty. As long as he thinks that eating pork is wrong, to him it is wrong, it is sin. And his conscience will condemn him. And for the sake of these people, Paul says, can you restrict your freedom? Then Paul says, what is food? It's just food. What is food? It's just food. Food does not bring you closer to God. We are no worse if I do not eat, no better if we do eat. Same thing can apply. What is some entertainment? What is some pleasure? What is some style? It's just this. Does this thing bring you closer to God? May not necessary. So, if it's indifference, why not put it aside for the sake of another weak brother with weak conscience? Having said that, I also want to say, we cannot use this principle and then you take your own preference and you bang everybody, I got weak conscience, I don't do this. I got weak conscience, don't do this. I got weak conscience, don't do this. It's not for that person to do that. It's for the other person to recognize that out of love, certain things can I restrict them. So Paul say, why not you use love? What is love? Love is freedom to give up. When a person exalts his knowledge, that I know a lot of things, it is okay as a highest good. It will lead to the exaltation of the individual. But the opposite is love, where you seek to know, I'm willing to give up for the life of the community. For the sake of not stumbling another person. The work of God in another person's life is far more important than a tender roast. So, think carefully. Paul said, let me give you my example. If food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I become my brother, lest I make my brother stumble. means, I'm willing to be a vegetarian, okay, for the sake of another brother, which I can seek to stumble. Later on in chapter 9, Paul gave an example I forgo my rights for financial support as an apostle in order to uh, uh, preach the gospel. Paul gave the example also. Same thing also today. Some of you may not face these issues of food offer idol. Some of you may be other issues. Maybe the issue is drinking. Okay? The Bible says didn't forbid drinking. Drinking is okay. You can drink all you want. You can drink. But the Bible says when a person gets drunk, guess what? Something else controls you. The spirit of the alcohol controls you, not the Holy Spirit. So don't get drunk in this area. And some of you question, why should I restrict whether I want to drink beer, I want to drink whiskey, I want to drink hot liquor? In the presence of many, uh, why do I let other people's conscience restrict me? Love. I look at who am I with? When I'm in the BB boys, do you think I want to drink beer? Silly, right? When I'm with some of the people, I know that they have certain background where the father is a drunkard, mother is a drunkard. I don't want to drink beer. And I'm able to. There are some countries, there are some believers, some countries where 
drinking is so-called a forbidden in the church because they grow up with that and when they see another person drinking beer, they feel that that is sin. So, I, when I know that there are certain people around, I can try to restrict my freedom for the sake of uh, this particular brother. This is one example. Another example could be betting. Oh, I can bet what? online betting, football, uh, horse racing, and it's not gambling. I can do what? It's okay. I wonder, the Bible didn't specifically say it's wrong. Yes. But, love. There is a bigger community. Are there people that I'm causing to embolden and the person get into a gambling problem, the person get into debt, and then the person fall into sin. Then say, oh, that person sin my problem. We are family. That's what Paul is saying. We are family. There are certain decisions is not just, we need to look carefully uh, about the weak conscience of people who might, who might stumble to cause them to sin. So this is the principle that Paul is trying to say here. And then another thing, which later on he said here, but I want to mention another thing here. Another but. First, the principle of love. The other one, the other but is, Paul is saying that there are spiritual entities behind the idols being worshipped in the context of worship. When the people are eating and worshipping, there are spiritual activities behind. It is not just a physical thing. So, the question today is, but can you eat now? If you look at this chart, if you feel that if you come from the various, if you come from certain background that you used to eat food offered to oil, and when today when you eat food offered to oil, you feel that this is defiling, this is like worshipping the idols, then don't eat. Don't eat. But if you feel that no, it doesn't bother, I don't have this background, I can eat, then eat. However, if you know of people that you might be stumbling, people might be affected, people make mention to you, then don't eat. And if you're in the context of worship, the eating is in the context of the temple worship, then don't eat because there is a clash of loyalty here. Okay? But there are other various scenarios that you may have questions. Haha, don't worry. Paul will address in chapter 10. Come back in chapter 10. Then we address this. But for now, Paul is stating this principle in this what he here mentioned here. And some of you may be saying that, oh, then this love is very magnanimous. Such a big love. Where do I get this power of love? Where do I get this power of love? He shared in verse 6, For yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came, for whom we live. There is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came, through whom we lived. Here he's emphasizing one God, one Lord. Let me unpack this. One God here, where this power, and he mentioned this God here is called the Father. I do a search. How many religions call their God Father in the enduring personal way? No other religion call God the Father in the enduring Father and the children's and child's way. Don't have. It's such a personal image of God the Father and we are His family. Just last week, I, heard, uh, I read a Facebook post, uh, a post uh, from a father. A 
father was rejected by the youngest son. He was taking care of the youngest son, but the youngest son that day in a bad mood and then not responding to the father and say, I hate you, I don't like you and various things. And this father's heart was hurt. Just when he was hurt, he remembered the heavenly father. That how much he, as God's son, has been hurting God so much and yet God constantly reached out to him, very patient with him, very loving towards him. And that make him appreciate God the Father. In the same way also, today as we come into God's presence, let's recognize the personal nature of this God. And, then, and He's our Father and therefore we are family. And He's not just a Father, He's a Creator from whom all things came. He is the uncaused cost. He is the starting point. In contrast with many other gods, that is subject to the whims of the cosmos. Our God stands apart from all the other source, as their source. All the, all, apart from all things as their source. And He also is our destiny. For whom we lived. God is above our source as well as our destiny, our goal. We have a purpose. We are not just um, existing without any purpose, without any hope. There is a hope, there is a destiny. We are here for God. And He is not just one God, He's also one Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, and He's a divine mediator between human beings and God. Through whom all things came, through whom we live. All things came. And that's our Lord. And that is so special that our God is willing to limit His freedom in order to give us freedom. That is our God. And each Sunday, when we come to worship here, sing songs about God. And each time when we take communion, this morning at first service, I was taking communion. When I eat it, I ask the Lord to bring me back to two events. The first event is bringing me back 2,000 years ago at the cross where Jesus Christ hung there for my sins. I picture Him there. For who? For me. And then another scenes I picture back when I was in... Um, primary school, my sister shared with me the gospel. Help me to know God. I picture back and then I was just overwhelmed again by the love of God for me. And this is my divine mediator. This is my Lord. And this is what... And He died not just for me, but for the rest. Listen to what Paul says about this one Lord. Though He was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself to, in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he gave up his rights as God to sacrifice for us so we can give up our rights for other people. And this is Paul's appeal. Paul's appeal for us that it is worth it. Worth it to make decisions in light of our love for God and love for other brothers because Christ has first loved us. Imagine in this church, every time we make the decisions, we didn't think about just about ourselves. We think about how can I my decisions express my love for God and how come my decision express my love for my people? People, 
Imagine if we will do that, what will happen in our cell group? What will happen in our congregations? What will happen to our community as we express this love? And this is what can happen. And this is what God wants it to happen. And this is what Paul is, is preaching. Let us bow our heads in prayer. We invite the worship team. Let's take some time, just you alone and God, just to thank God for that He is that one God of your life. He is your Father. He is your Creator. He is your destiny. Thank God that you are worshipping this God, the one true God. Next, thank God that He is your Lord, the divine mediator, the one who sacrificed on the cross for you, the one who gave up His rights so that we can have freedom. Thank God again. Let the knowledge in your head flows down from your head into your heart. This is the love our Father has for us. This is the love the Lord Jesus Christ had for you. <clears throat> Next, if there are any decisions, any questionable actions that you have in your life today, that the Holy Spirit is now speaking to you to reconsider. It is time now to have that transaction to God. And say, God, it is worth for me to consider this, continue this decision, or I need to change. Or is there other new things that I can do that can express my love for my brothers and sisters around me? family. Thank God for the person seated on the left and the right, in the front of you or behind you. We are family. This is the gospel. The gospel to direct our behaviour. Let us rise stand just to worship God with this song.
thank you that we worship the one true God. One true God that matters. And you call ourselves Father. Thank you for that intimate, close relationship that we can have with you. And that God, from you, all things, including ourselves, came for whom we lived. We live for you. And that you are that one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things came. Through, through whom we lived. We have been redeemed, sacrificed by you, bought with the price. Thank you for that love. And I pray that help us, Father, it's Sunday as we come to appreciate the God that we worshipped, that we will seek to be loyal to you and you alone. We seek to express your love for us to the people around us. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen.